We are in our study in the book of Hebrews. And we can bring up the lights just a little bit because I don't want to be in the shadows too much. Come out of the shadows and share with you. We're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. And so if you would please uh, join us uh, this reading. It should also be on the screen at home. Uh, but you can open your Bibles as well to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And continue to remember those in prison, as if you were, were, were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pretty straightforward passage this morning, isn't it? Keep loving one another, show hospitality, especially to strangers, and be compassionate to those that are in prison, those that are being mistreated. This message could really take about five minutes, couldn't it? Well, you're already here, you went through all the trouble, and I get paid by the minute, so if you indulge me for a few more minutes to, to share all the lights, are, the lights are adding, here we go. Because I think there's more to be said about this simple passage, but it it's simple in its beauty and clarity, and yet there's so much depth behind what the words have to say. We as Christians believe there's more that God would have for us in this life. So a secular humanist could see this passage and, and could say, well, yes, I want to love people. I want to do my part in, in the years that I have in this life before I put six feet under and turn into worm food and I want to be compassionate and take care of people. Uh, what, why do I need a Christian God to do anything better? But as believers in Christ, the one that we just worshipped, the risen Savior, we know that full human potential is only experienced and achieved when we submit our will and our lives to the will and life of God that God has called us to. And so when we hear these types of instructions in Scripture that can be easily cherry-picked and someone can say, well, I want to love others, I want to show hospitality, I want to be compassionate, we as Christians need to understand the larger context, the larger motivation that God has provided for us. And uh, David looked at this with us last week. I want you to see the, the verses just before this passage because, frankly, ancient uh, Scriptures didn't have chapters and verses. So would you just look back with me? It'll be on the screen again. What we have in our Bible the couple of sentences before that, it's incredibly uh, telling. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4, consuming fire of God, that is God's holiness, God's jealousy for you. Nothing impure can be in God's presence, and yet God has such a great desire that he sent his son to die on a cross to save you, to bring a people to himself, that he could be our God and we could be his people. And so the motivation of all the things we're going to look at for the rest of the summer, of loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, and and showing hospitality, and being compassionate, and all that's today. And next week, talking about honoring marriage. That'll be next week. And the week after that, how we are 
rightly to use our money and resources and stewardship, how we honor one another, and, and on and on, all of it comes from the motivation of being members of an unshakable kingdom, of being invited by grace to join together in the recreation that God is doing. That's the motivator. You see, if we just divorce it from the motivation, then it's just a list of things to do. Then our scorecard is compared to other scorecards, and I think, well, I'm not as compassionate as this person. None of that matters. There's no scorecard. It's just following and obeying Jesus. So with that in mind, let's now look at each of these three points in three verses and see what, what more goal there might be uh, to glean from it. Okay, so verse 1 of chapter 13, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Continually loving one another. The word there is Philadelphia. We know Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's not a sentimental, sticky, sweet sort of, hey, bro, hey, sis kind of love. It's love that's put into action. It's the kind of love that would wake you up at three in the morning to go to someone in need. The kind of love that would drop everything to help someone move. The kind of love that would pay off someone's medical bills, their mortgage. The kind of love that would pay off someone's credit card. The kind of love that would make you change your plans to be at the courthouse to speak in defense and in honor of a loved one who's being mistreated. It's the kind of love that would cause someone to change their entire life direction, change their career, and adopt children of brothers and sisters who've died in a terrible auto accident and adopt those children as their own and bring them into their home. It's the kind of love that would bring in a wayward 20-something who's struggling with their medication and say, we're going to watch after you, we're going to care for you, and we're going to see you through this. It's the kind of love that comes to a veteran's home who's struggling with PTSD and has another veteran there who's threatening to take his own life and being there, watching them get to safety. And those are just examples of the past couple years that I can think of in our community and in my previous one. It's an active love. It's a love that puts others first. It's a love that treats one another as what? Family. We are family. If you're new to MVC, that's really our motto here as a church. We are family. Joe Fennessy is going to be doing the benediction. You'll see we are, and then he'll do a pirouette spin around, family. It's more than a slogan here. It's a way of life. And the care that we want to show for one another. And everything that we've been doing through this pandemic has been our, our best effort to care for you as a family as our family, even as we're welcoming more and more people online who aren't yet part of our family, but are welcomed in as guests, they're happy that they're here, we're happy that, that you're watching, that you're checking things out, maybe from, from far away, but we want to make sure that we're caring for the MVC family. And families aren't perfect, are they? Is every family perfect? No. Is our family perfect? All right, we got one vote for a perfect family. No, do we ever get on each other's nerves? Is everyone always happy with every decision made? No, of course not. But that's our intention, to continue to show love to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so 
Uh, something I want to announce to you today that will be the first time through the season of pandemic. Next Sunday, when we celebrate communion, we will be doing it live in person and we'll be leading you online at home. We have a special service uh, design uh, for our seniors and for those, high those at high risk. I think the age, uh, really, that the CDC is saying is anyone 60 years and older uh, would be in that category. And so next Sunday, from 8.30 to 9 a.m., we're going to have a, a very simple, traditional communion service designed specifically for and socially distanced, so maximum distance in our sanctuary uh, for our seniors, for those that are high, high risk. We invite you to sign up for that. Even now, you can do that. And at noon, you can sign up for the live stream at 1045. So we'll have communion at, at between 8.30 and 9 for those here in the sanctuary. That won't be live streamed, but at the live stream, 1045, those of you who do sign up for the service, we will celebrate communion together in those individual cups, and I'll lead you at home and invite you to bring juice or wine and bread uh, to the table, and we'll lead you at home. Some of us ask, why haven't we done this, Pete? Like, we've been online for months. Like, why have you said that we, we are fasting instead of feasting. Well, the Lord Jesus gave us two sacraments, baptism and communion. And they're meant to be done in community. They're meant to be celebrated corporately, together. Communion was even known as the love feast. It was the family coming together. And so the idea of doing that virtually when you're all there and it's just a handful of us here just didn't seem to be the loving right thing to do. But now that we have this hybrid model, a hundred of you here, a few hundred of you there, uh, we're going to try it next week. So that will be next Sunday, uh, August 2nd. So we love one another. Okay, verse 2, let me read that again to us. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Did I ever tell you the story of when I met a bona fide angel? Did I tell you, have I ever shared that story? I'm surprised. I haven't told you the story of when I met an angel, came to my house. No? His name was Andy. Andy the angel from Australia. Easy to remember. Now, what's an angel in Scripture? Do we see wings? No, an angel is a messenger from God. Yes, there's a supernatural angels for sure. And there's a reference here to Genesis 18 when Abraham and Lot entertained strangers and they were angels. But throughout Scripture, there's also the experience of messengers from God delivering God's word. I remember when Cheryl and I were still living in, in Davis and we invited her best friend from college and, and her, her friend, Andy, they were both serving missionaries in Eastern Europe and they had returned after three years and we we're just getting to know these folks. I hadn't seen Colleen in three years. I had never met this fellow Andy and we've been talking for about 45 minutes and he laid this on me. I have a word from the Lord for you. Has anyone ever done that to you? Someone you don't even know? I have a word for the Lord for you. God's calling you into ministry full-time. Have you ever considered that? That's kind of a bold thing to say, someone you've just met, but he spoke with such authority, he spoke with such command. I thought, well, no, God hasn't made that clear to me, but I'll pray about it. And the next day, for a longer story, another time, I call it the Holy Spirit two by four in the back of the head, where God made it perfectly clear that's what he had for me. And I remember driving to Cheryl's office. She was making, I think, about 
uh, 9.25 an hour. I said, honey, I just got laid off. I think God wants me to be a pastor. I think God wants me to go into full-time ministry. You know what she said to me? What took you so long? So we get hung up and we, th- we think a lot about the, that passage. We sort of focus on the second half about entertaining uh, strangers that might be angels. And that's kind of interesting. But, but really, the, the larger, the more important aspect here has to do with the, the first part about showing hospitality to strangers. And in the ancient world, there, there weren't um, really clean and safe places to rest for traveling Christians, for strangers that were moving through town. They, they, they could get robbed. They could get sick. Anything could happen to them. And so the author here the, is reminding the Hebrews, hey, open your home up to someone if they're in need, especially in the context. It would be uh, Christians that are traveling. But, but really the word here does mention strangers. We had Philadelphia. We have here a Philizenia, a friend to strangers. You've been a friend to a stranger. We're all sort of strangers right now, aren't we, with our masks? You look a little scary with your mask on, but we can smile with our eyes. You know, we're having to to adapt our mission as a church to reach out beyond our walls in, in new ways, and we're seeing new people who were once strangers coming, checking us out, interested in understanding what does it mean to follow Jesus? What is this Christian faith all about? Is it more than just loving people and just doing a few nice things and being a good person? Is there something higher and greater? Is there really what they're describing without words, a kingdom that we can be a part of? I'm trying to sell Jonathan's old bike on, on Facebook. And if you're watching online, 1 p.m. we'll be selling it. We have a lot of people interested. And it's amazing the names of those that are messaging me uh, all Folks from Southeast Asia, from India, from all parts of Africa, the names of the people that live in our wider community. There are no Smiths, no Johnsons, uh, no Browns listed on my, on my email chain. They're all names of those that have come here as immigrants from far field, strangers to this land. And we want to open our doors to them, don't we? Isn't that what God's calling us to do, to, to welcome in the stranger? that we might have the opportunity to entertain someone who has a new word, a fresh perspective, a movement of the Spirit that can bring something fresh and alive to our place. So consider how you might open your home up to someone. That's where it will start. It'll start on the local level, even in the midst of, of the shutdown. I don't know what that looks like. We don't know what it looks like as a church, but we have to figure it out. And then finally, number three, really has to be with, do with being compassionate. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were being mistreated. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers. This is the idea of that unshakable kingdom that we're a part of. Now, in ancient times and even now in parts uh, throughout the world and uh, parts where Christians are under great persecution, it's literally speaking of Christians that are being thrown into jail and those that are being mistreated for their faith. And so the author is pleading with the people, understand you are part of an unshakable kingdom. Don't be afraid to identify and reach out and care for those in need. 
And then, as in now in third world nations, uh, there weren't enough supplies for prisoners. And so back then, and again, even, even now, there are, are nations where families were responsible to provide for those that are in prison. You could visit weekly and bring food and essentials. And, and that's what the author's saying here. Practically speaking, show compassion. Identify with them. Walk in their shoes and see that need. How can we walk in another person's shoes right now and meet that need? I imagine uh, mo- almost none of us would ever experience being put in prison or, or being mistreated for our faith, although that's happening uh, more and more. But there are other forms of prison, isn't, aren't there? Raise your hand if you felt like you've been a little bit in prison these past few months. Stuck at home. And all the change is happening. And we're seeing it. We're seeing what's happening. Pastor Frank put words to it. We're seeing the tremendous impact, imprisonment, mistreatment of what's happening in the economic crisis, in the COVID crisis, in the strain of relationships within our communities and nation. We see a, a, a looming tsunami of uh, of evictions coming, people that can't pay their rent, can't pay their mortgage, they're going to be kicked out on the street. And now we have news this week of the incredibly difficult decision that, uh, that our school districts have, have made here in Tahoma and Kent and, and surrounding areas to go fully online in the fall for the first, at least the first nine weeks. We'll see how that goes. Think about the tremendous strain that our schools are under, our teachers, the administrators, and parents, how do we make ends meet now? Having the kids at home, how do we make this make sense? For two-parent households, how do the two parents make sense of that? For one-parent households, how does that one parent make sense of that? Tomorrow night, our elders will be meeting online, a Zoom meeting, along with all of our leadership, our, our core staff, all those folks you normally see up here are are part of core staff, our deacons will be there, our trustees will be there. We need to have a shift in our mindset as a ministry to address these looming and and troubling concerns in our community. We need to figure out, Lord, how would you call us to show compassion to those that are feeling imprisoned, that are being weighed down, that are struggling right now? We have helperwa.org, an opportunity, I invite you to check that out on, online. And, and Sarah has spoken to that opportunity of how we can serve people and meet practical needs and delivering food and, and medicine and, and helping with things that people might have, have need of in their home. We have Kid Reach. Raise your hand if you've been part of Kid Reach in here. Joe Clark, are you in the back there? Kid Reach, a program of, of tutoring for, for children from our, our local schools. What would that look like in the fall? How much more need will there be? for kids that might be slipping back and missing out. We have tremendous need of prayer for our preschool that is opening when we've heard reports of multiple preschools shutting down for the fall. Parents that are desperate to get their kids into preschool, getting them prepared for life, prepared for kindergarten. Our teachers are excited, our directors are excited uh, to open our Christian preschool, but, but they need support. How will we support them? So with all of that looming, with all of that in mind, I think, Lord, what would you have me say to our, our church and to all of our church at home? 
And here was the word that God gave me. Grab your towel. Grab your towel. I invite you to open your Bible now to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and it'll be on the screen, verses 2 to 5. It says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. See, Jesus knew where his motivation came from. It wasn't just, as we would say, well, I just feel like being loving to, to other people. I feel like opening my house off. I, I love to entertain. Oh, compassion, I'll, I'll, I'll give it Christmas time. No, no, Jesus had a greater motivation and he knew who he was. He knew where he had come from and where he was going. That he left heaven and stooped down to come to be one of us. He knew where he was from. He knew the authority the Father had given him. He knew what was going to happen and where he was headed. And yet he took his outer robe off and he grabbed his towel and he washed his disciples' feet. Consider the circumstances that Jesus faced. Every excuse in the world not to put himself out there unloved by his brothers and sisters. They they were constantly tracking him down throughout the Gospels, trying to silence him and and take him home. Even James, who became an apostle, is ashamed of him, like, shh, keep your your voice down. Rejected by his own family. When he was born, there was no room where? In the inn. A stranger turned away. He says, uh, as an adult, he said, The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes, right? Birds have have nests, but not the Son of God. And you want to speak about mistreatment, being wrongly accused, being wrongly imprisoned? And yet with all of that, he loved. He put love into action. He made room in his father's house. He walked in our place. Matthew 25. For that which you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, while he yet saw how selfish we were, how much we cling to our own things and we only give out of our possession a little bit to help here, a little bit to help there, but we hold the most of it for ourselves. Uh, seeing how apathetic we are to the great concerns of the world. He says, while we were yet sinners, so selfish, so into our own will, unsubmitting to God and the consuming power uh, and fire of, of God, Christ came and died for us. 1 John 4, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son for us. 
And so our response is to grab a towel. Like never before as a church, we need to step up to be ready to love, to show hospitality, and to be compassionate as a church. We can do this if we pull together to do it. Listen to his instruction that he says to his disciples after all the back and forth and Peter, and we won't get into all that, right? Don't wash my feet, okay? If you're going to wash that, wash everything, and all the back and forth. And we get to verses 34 and 35, and I'll leave you with this. A new command I give you. A command. Command. He's, he's telling you and me what to do. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Say, I'm willing to love my church, Jesus. I love you, God, and I, and I love everyone here in church. But, but his word says, love the way, the way you loved me, God. You sacrificed everything for me. Is, it, is that the quality of love that he's asking for? That's what it says, isn't it? To lay down everything. And so the response that wells up in me this week as I was working on this message and thinking about was, well, God, I love you. I, lo I do love you. I love our people. And the word back, and maybe it's just for me. Maybe it's just a word that I need to hear, but maybe... I'm an angel giving you a message from God today. And the word back was, prove it. Grab your towel. Let's pray. Lord God, the motivator in this is you and your grace, your daily grace that we need. The reminder that we are now welcomed into an unshakable kingdom. Jesus, all of the book of Hebrew, 11 chapters is saying that you are better, that you have a better way than the old system, the old covenant, that you've ushered us into a new way of relating uh, to the Father by your grace. And yet he's still a God of consuming fire that, that is holy and jealous for us, that will burn away all that, that shouldn't be there, all that, that is sinful and wrong in this world, God, and that you're doing that work in us. But may it be a motivator, Lord, to greater things. As a people, as a church, Lord God, we have folks that are even here in this room and are watching online that do not know your love today and don't feel like they're being loved like a, like a family member, maybe as a dysfunctional family, but not loved as brother and sister. Oh God, pray that we would step up as a church to show real love in action. Lord God, there are those that feel like they're outsiders, feel like they're not welcome, that they're strangers, Lord. And they're asking questions, they're looking for answers, they're looking for a place, a refuge, a hospital for sinners, a, a worship center that could come, a, a, way, a way point, Lord, in their travels. Oh God, I pray we would throw our doors open and we would think creatively of how to how to do this? We are a church of small groups, yet small groups aren't allowed to meet according to CDC specifications and six feet apart. How do we do community, Lord, when we can't, we can only give air hugs? Lord, make up that difference, please. Help us. And Lord, there are those that are imprisoned 
by their circumstance, by their massive amount of debt and bills, struggling to pay for medication, struggling to make ends meet. Those checks that are coming are now drying up. The government checks, we're waiting to see if they'll be renewed, but the resources are drying up, God. People are making very difficult decisions. Families are under tremendous stress. God, it's only by the work of your grace that we can continue to operate as a church of Jesus Christ and be worthy of that title and that banner. I pray, Lord, that on the other side of this, as we're seeing this uh, as a very hopeful and exciting time, because we know you're going to do something great through this, Lord. On the other side of this, we want to be able to look back. We want to be able to look back at this with, with Rob, and David, and Sarah, and Cammie, and Joe, and Kareen, Pastor Frank and our whole team, we want to be able to look back with all of our elders and trustees and deacons. We want to be able to look and say, God did this. God did something amazing. In the small resources relative that we had, amazing things happened. And says, why? How? How did it happen? Everyone grabbed their towel. Every single person that called this their home grabbed their towel, came forward, stepped up as a servant. We pray to that end, Lord. We pray for those that are struggling right now that they would be encouraged by this word that's been spoken. And Lord God, that they would be blessed by your Holy Spirit. That the renewing power that comes by your Spirit would come invade their home, their apartment, wherever they're listening or watching this. And God, would you remind us that you make all things new. God, you can take things that are broken and you can mend them. You can take things that are, are just ashes and you can raise up something new. God, may we be reminded of that this morning.